Welcome to Synergetic Culture, where we exist to provide practical and tangible content to help you build a synergetic culture. Here's the dichotomy though. Culture is formed either by design or by default. A culture by design, when adopted by the people within the culture, has a multiplying effect in the way it builds the organization and the individuals within it. And this, my friends, this is a synergetic culture. So how do we create a culture by design? What fundamentals and tactics and principles build a synergetic culture? Well, you've come to the right place. So no matter where you find yourself in your career, this podcast is for you. And with that being said, let's jump into today's episode of Synergetic Culture. Welcome back to Synergetic Culture. My name is Adam Bieber. Welcome to episode six of our show. I'm excited that you're taking the time to listen today. Thank you so much for your support and listening. I'm really excited about introducing you to my good friend Elizabeth Dyer today. And normally I tee it up with a great story telling you about her life, but I'll just say this. Today, Elizabeth is a backup and recovery solution specialist for a global tech company. And her story is why we're meeting today. You're going to learn a lot from her, and I'm excited about this conversation. So, Elizabeth, welcome to Synergetic Culture. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I told Adam when I first saw him a couple weeks ago um, in person after COVID that I am obsessed with podcasts. I love his, and I fell down the rabbit hole of everything he's put out. And the fact that you're having me on is awesome. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time. We are doing this via Zoom. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, Elizabeth is sitting down in sunny Miami and I'm up in Atlanta in the home studio. So thank you so much for taking the time this morning to, to meet and talk. Um, I'm excited for the listeners here to just kind of hear your story because I think it's really interesting, fascinating. Um, and also there's so much in the quick conversation that you and I had in person a few weeks ago. I was like, holy crap. This story is so worth telling and other people need to hear it. So um, walk us through a little bit about, let's just jump right in. Tell, tell us a little bit about uh, where you're from, um, where you grew up, what your family dynamic was like, and we'll start from there. Perfect. Yeah. So I come from rural Ohio. Um, it is a town, a village. Technically, it's that small. <laughs> it's called um, Rio Grande. Uh, and so I grew up there uh, with my mom, my dad, my two brothers, but when I was seven and my parents separated, my brothers were old enough to go and do their own thing. I was really little. I think I was like seven or eight. So they took me to my grandma's house um, so that I could have somewhere to, to grow up. And um, she lives on a huge two, 300 acre uh, horse farm. So I grew up there, but there was no internet because it was uh, almost like Amish County, Ohio. Um, so like carts and buggies and things like that. Wait a minute. Hold on. So like I remember like dial up as a young kid and I'm a couple years older than you. So what in the world were you doing as a child with no internet in rural Ohio? I was having the time of my life. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a big farm. We had a ton of horses and cows and everything that you could imagine. We had chickens and all of it. Um, so I was just outside every single day. I fell in love with training horses when I went there, like eight, nine years old, um, got my first horse and fell in love with rescuing, rehabilitating, training horses. Um, and that's pretty much what I spent my whole time on the farm doing um, from about 10 years, like eight to 18, uh, just 
living out there playing in the woods and <laughs> wow. learning. And it was awesome. That's really cool. And so you went, grew up, went to school in rural Ohio uh, from grandma's farm or from, from like what was elementary school, middle school, all that like? Elementary school was really, really small. Um, so I would just ride the bus and middle school, same way. Um, I would ride the bus to and from. I had to walk. Sometimes my grandma would drive me. The, we lived on a big hill. So the bus stop was like a mile away. And, you know, have you ever heard, um, like my grandma tells me stories like when I was your age, I had to walk up a hill five miles to get to work. And yeah. I was like, I don't understand that because <laughs> I had to walk to the bus stop or um, whatever. So my dad, yeah. my dad tells the same story, but because he's from Minnesota, he tells me that same exact thing, but he says in the snow, uphill, both ways. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Why? Um, so anyway, so, uh, and then what were, what were your like early relationships? Like if you were living at grandma's, did you, did you connect with, you have cousins, you have your, did your brothers come back and, and hang out with you? And you know, what was school uh, relationships like? That's actually going to lead into a, a whole thing. Um, so I, I was just me and my grandma at the house. We had bunk beds. It was just me and her in a big house. And there was a neighborhood um, where the bus stop is about a mile away where a bunch of kids my age lived. And so when I was younger, I would ride my horse up and down the neighborhood. And so the kids would see me and they would come out and I made friends with a few, I think four or five kids from there. And I would invite them over every single day. Um, my grandma was kind of like, it's a revolving door, basically. Anyone that wants to come can come and they're welcome. And so I got really used to having people over all the time and hosting. Mm. Um, and we would just go out and play and, and that was fun. But that continued my whole life. So I was always the person that wanted to provide somewhere for everyone to come and get together and just have a good time. Yeah. Um, so that was something that that was huge for me whenever I was growing up was just being able to to be with everybody all the time. It was awesome. That's really cool. And then like educationally, um, what was I mean, obviously, I feel like I don't know if this is obvious, but I do feel like elementary school is pretty average and standard for every child growing up. I mean, I don't think ours would be too too different. I went to private school for middle school, um, elementary school. Um, but then, you know, then you, you start to kind of see where um, uh, different people are evolving and maturing and growing in middle school. So tell me about that experience from an educational and then just relational personal standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. So when I went to middle school, it was grades, I think eight or six through eight, mm -hmm. um, I changed it a while back. Sixth grade used to be elementary school, but for me, I was the first class in my town to be sixth grade in middle school. And we thought that was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> we with eighth graders. Um, so then I was playing soccer. Um, I played soccer my whole life. So I had friends with the soccer team and was, was doing all of that, but middle school went by really quickly for me. Um, I did see a lot of people change and I did start to be around new groups of people because the middle school would bring all of the local elementary schools into one. Um, so I was introduced to a lot of different types of people, a lot of different ideas. And I think that's probably where I started to develop into more of a, of a person with opinions and a foundation. Yeah. And something. So it was a cool experience. Um, but I knew that I wanted to get through school as quickly as I could once I got to middle school. Um, and so the summer after middle school ended, my best friend at the time, 
she was telling me about this program that the college near us did. Um, at the time, it was called post-secondary option, where they would allow students as early as ninth grade to take college placement tests. Um, if you were successful on all of them, they would just send you to the college as opposed to the high school, and you would get kind of double credit. So wow. she did that, and um, she placed into everything, and she loved it. And I was like, I want to do that too. <laughs> Time out. So, so, so you go sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Those are formidable years. You said you're yeah. like becoming a free thinker, developing your own thoughts, opinions, beliefs, kind of like the core foundation of who you are. And then that summer after eighth grade, which you've told me some of this story, but I'm learning a lot of this right now as our listeners are. And so then you, you decide, or you hear about this program and you're like, I don't want a, a high school experience. I want to just, I just want to learn and get through education as quickly as possible. What was driving that desire to just move through? I think wanting to once I was old enough to understand the world and how big the world was outside of the town that I was living in um, I realized that most of the people where I'm from never leave mm. and I always would spend a lot of time talking with them about any regrets that they might have in life or things they wish they could have done differently that's something I love to talk about with people that have more experience in life than me yeah can kind of learn and try not to make the same mistakes that other people have, have spoke to me all of that to say the biggest thing I always heard was people say they wish they would have left not permanently but just gone out and had a different experience mm. and I was thinking okay so the number one takeaway for me here is that I need to leave and go get other experiences yeah. and I want to now do that as fast as possible um, so I knew that if I could get through school and get the requirements, um, the educational requirements needed to be successful, I wanted to do it as fast as possible. Um, so that was probably the driving factor. Um, another one was financial, because when you did that program, the state paid for the entire college experience for you. Wow. Um, so being able to go through school without any debt was also a huge factor for me making that decision. Which there's not very many people out there who are fortunate enough to have school paid for. So you, in, during that summer between eighth grade and ninth grade, you're like, I'm going to go take these tests and see what happens. So actually my friend Maddie did it first. Uh, that's my friend that I was talking about. Yeah. She did it. Um, and once I saw how she was loving it, um, I, I was very quick to follow. Um, she, I, we were always kind of competitive growing up. And so when she passed all the tests, <laughs> I was like, I know okay. I can too. Yeah, exactly. I do, uh, I do credit a huge portion of the choice to her kind of showing me the way and, and helping me make that decision. But yeah, right, right after her went through, did the college placement exams. And for me, it wasn't even a big deal. It felt like what I was supposed to be doing and I was just doing you know, what life was giving me. If an opportunity comes to me, I try and take it. Yeah. And I've always been that way. So yeah, it was, uh, it was the best decision I think I ever made. <laughs> so wait, like at 14 years old, you're walking onto a college campus, you have college completely paid for, were you still living at grandma's and commuting? I mean, for a while you have to get a ride, <laughs> you know? I, I, was, I had just turned 15. Okay. So yeah, I was 15. I have this funny picture of my first day of college. I was just a little string bean of a girl and my grandma drove me to my first day and I had my backpack like you do when you're going to the high school uh -huh. and she dropped me off on the campus and I looked and I was like where do I go there's so many buildings there's so many people that are fully grown walking around me 
Um, so my strategy right off the bat was not to tell anyone how old I was. I was like, I want to fit in. I want to not be ostracized. I just yeah. want to go about this. And so the whole first year, I kind of just kept my head down, studied. Um, I was just having grandma drive me to and from every single day. Um, and I didn't really make too many friends that first year. I was more so focused on just watching, observing, and learning how to interact in a college environment. Yeah. Um, so that first year went by like that. And mm. I did really well. I was on the dean's list. And I was like, oh, this is going to work out perfectly. Wow. Um, at that point, the next year, I got my license so I could drive myself. And it was more... Um, it was, it was easier to start being social because I had a car. So people wouldn't really question how old I was. Yeah. If I, all of you guys want to hop in between classes and go to McDonald's and come back or whatever. So that went well. Um, but that second year was probably the most formable for me socially, um, education wise. I got a really solid group of friends from all kinds of different backgrounds uh, around the world that yeah. had come to play soccer. Um, so I was learning so much so quickly. And I was also doing really, really well in school. I found out that I have a, a, the ability to hyper-focus on projects and ideas and just things I want to do. So that year, having so much success socially and educationally, it gave me this confidence that I think has really excelled me through life. Yeah, for sure. I want to, I want to rewind just a little bit because you've said a couple things. One, I'm going to, after this, beg you to send that picture because when we put this up on YouTube, I want that picture to flash up so we can see that first day of college. <laughs> What'd you say? It's horrible. I look like <laughs> You got to send it to me. Um, the other thing that's funny about um, your strategy of not telling anybody your age is I remember a conversation you and I had and we both guessed each other's age and we both were off we guess like five years older than each yeah. other was, which I think is kind of cool. Um, I, um, it's so, so fascinating though. Like I'm just trying to, to put myself in your shoes and remember what I was doing at 15 years old. I cannot fathom. I mean, at 19 years old, I didn't feel ready to walk on a college campus. So, I mean, for you to walk on a college campus at 15, focus on your, your studies, get on the Dean's list freshman year, and then start to kind of open yourself up to, receive more of what the college experience would have to offer you is really, really cool. Um, and I just think fascinating. Like, I don't know very many people that have taken this route in life. Um, so, so, okay. So you start to kind of socialize a little bit more, you know, jump in my car. Let's go. <laughs> I love that. We, I, I immediately thought of a memory of uh, my older brother, myself and our buddy, Mark, we would take, we ended up one semester taking like, two or three classes all together. So it was just like clowning the whole time. And we, yeah, and we would, I, it was, I have such funny stories from, from that time frame. Um, and we would, we would bounce over to Dairy Queen or McDonald's all the time and be like, we're not eating here. We're getting off campus. We'll deal with parking when we get back. We just need to go like in between classes. Question, were, so you had McDonald's, Dairy Queen, were there other options of food around? Yes. Yeah. It was, it's in this small town. Um, but there was, uh, there was like a Wendy's and then I think there was a little Caesar's pizza and those were like the four or five choices we ever had. 
literally the only things that we had because a reminder this is like amish county rural yeah Ohio. yeah mcdonald's we had a subway and if anyone is from up north you might have heard of bob evans no it's like a huge farm restaurant chain and we actually the college that i went to is on the bob evans farm oh cool um, if knows what i'm talking about that might be cool <laughs> that's awesome though yeah so when you have limited options you work with what you got for sure so so I'm just kind of curious, like growing, did you realize this might sound like a dumb question for me? This might be a dumb question, but I'm just curious. Did you realize you were this smart at like eighth grade or were you just like, shoot, I'm just going to try this. I, I don't know. People always say that, um, being so smart and I don't view myself as being that smart at all. Um, I think that I am strategic and I would, I would, ra I would rather use that word because okay. um, I feel like intelligence is very circumstantial. Mm. Um, you get a lot of intelligence on one thing and not a lot of intelligence on the other thing. I say that because um, I sometimes lack common sense. And I think my boyfriend would laugh to hear <laughs> <laughs> that you think that I'm so smart. But um, <laughs> no, I mean, I just think it's circumstantial and everyone has their own skill set. Um, for me, it just happened to be taking advantage of every opportunity that came to the fullest extent. I think mm. that's my, my skill there. Yeah. And you mentioned you, you, uh, you realize that you have the ability to hyper-focus on a project and, and ex extract excellence from that project, which I've seen in action now where you're at today, but I think that's a really cool skill to realize you have. I have ADHD, so I have a really hard, I'm really good at starting projects, but to finish a project is a whole nother set of challenges for me. Um, and it, it's taken me time to build the uh, skills and the ability and the the mindset of being strategic, looking at a, at a project and being able to hyper focus on it to bring success to it. So what I mean, what were some I'm, of the early things you did? Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that back up, because <clears throat> for me, I think one of the biggest skills I have for being successful is that ability to hyper focus on something. Um, when I was in school that freshman and sophomore year with, with college, the, when I learned that, okay, the professor says that the project is needing to be 20 pages about X, Y, and Z. There's so many outside things that I could think about or stress about. Um, for me, I simply just looked, I said, what do I need to do? What are the steps I need to make it happen mm. and get it done? And I would sit down for two, three, four, five hours, however long it took. And my brain would quite literally not think about anything other than getting that project done in the most efficient and um, uh, in the most efficient way possible and in the best way possible. Like, what yeah. can I produce that's the best? Wow. And I still do that to this day with cleaning, with working out, with my job, my career. Um, I just... It's, 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 it's an awesome skill to have to be able to focus on that, but it does take a lot of brain power. So once I finish a project, I'm kind of just like, like shutting down and I yeah. need to go. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally feel that it's, it's sometimes it's hard when you run at such a fast pace, which I think we live in 21st century. It's the year 2022. We live in America. We, we probably move too fast. And so to be able to like slow down and, and recover from, project after project or, you know, focus after focus is such a good, healthy thing to do, which honestly, I'm going to bring this up. So we never talked about do, saying this, but 
you and I both were were supposed to record this um, some time ago, and both of us were having a day where we just felt like we needed to pause yeah. and and recalibrate, and so we pushed it to today. Um, that's such a valuable thing. I'm I'm really grateful that we we have a a, a friendship and relationship where we can do that. And I think more people need to do that with with people in their world. I think that when it comes to relationships, people feel concerned about pleasing everyone else, but you can't please everyone else if you're not feeling good. Like that day I called you, I was concerned about, you know, upsetting you or, or having the responsibility of needing to be there. But um, that day I just didn't feel good and I didn't feel like I could record something good for you and the audience and myself. And so I called you and I was like, hey, <laughs> how are you feeling? And you uh, were so understanding, but it's just the honesty because a lot, I could have called you and said, oh, my dog is puking and I have to take him to the vet so I can't record. Um, you know, the excuse is never good. It's just the honesty of, I'm genuinely just not feeling that good today. Um, turned out you really weren't either and it yeah. worked perfectly. Um, but being honest in any kind of relationship like that is, is so important. Yeah, I, I feel like, in just conversations with you um, leading up to this relationships have meant a huge, a huge piece. And like, if we talk about your life from early stages all the way up into the college experience, and we'll continue here in a second, but like the early relationship with your grandma, the relationships that you had with your friends, like a, being the one, like the, the center of everybody's going to come here and I'm going to host and like just being somebody that people wanted to gather around. And now like we're friends and I see people want to gather around you and like spend time with you. Like that's, it's clear to me. And I think just in talking with you and, and, and it's just evident that relationships, human connection, that's important to speak on that a little bit. I think it's one of the most important things because as you go through life, you can tend to feel really alone at times. And there are things that we have to go through alone, but at the end of the day, we're all having this human experience at the same time in the same place on this planet. Sure. Most of us feel very similarly, but we feel like we can't talk about it. And so even just the look in someone's eyes, like genuinely looking at them and seeing them, it means so much more to them. And I've had it happen to me to just feel seen and feel valued and yeah. feel like somebody is recognizing that you're in the same space as them right now. And they're a real person having a real experience just like you. So I really, really enjoy to make people feel like I don't look at them as just another human in this game of life of mine. I like to make sure that people know that I recognize we're all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had some really, really awesome relationships um, throughout my life. And I can look at every single year of my existence and pinpoint one person that impacted me so heavily mm. and they might not even know it. Um, but for me, I still think of them and they helped teach me and guide me. And to this day, any of those people, I feel deeply, deeply connected to. And some of them I haven't talked to in five, 10 years. Wow. Um, but when you form that relationship and you form that connection on such a level with somebody, knowing that there, I know right now all of those people are out there doing good, um, feeling good, being good people. Yeah. And if I needed them, they would be there. And if they ever needed me, I would be here. And that it makes you feel like you're not alone, even though those people, some of them live in different countries, some of them live in different states. I don't know when I'll ever see them again, but I still feel that, that connection to them. Yeah. And 
is so valuable. You mentioned um, that we're not alone. And oftentimes when you start to open up and be a little bit vulnerable and share, you realize that people um, oftentimes struggle with the same exact things. Um, last week, I, I kind of opened up and shared a little about a little bit on the solo episode just about some of the struggles I've had with anxiety. I don't think enough people just publicly talk about it and share about it and say, Hey, guess what? I went to therapy and I took some medicine that helped me for a period of time and it helped me learn how to cope and, and develop skills to navigate anxiety. It didn't go away. I still have anxiety, but I know how to, I know how to process and, and in a healthy way, guide myself through it. Um, and, and what I think is so cool, like the best example is last week when you called me and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be real with you. I'm not, I'm not feeling it today. And I was like, Hey, guess what, Liz, me too. Um, that was such a reassuring feeling for me. Like I was kind of nervous. I was like, all right, I'll pep it up. I can do this. Um, and I'm sure you're thinking the same thing, but to just be honest and be like, Hey, let's just, let's just punt. Let's do it another day. Um, I think it was so cool. Um, so question you, you mentioned therapy. Did you go to therapy? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did for, um, I've been, so I've tried many different types and different therapists. I finally found one, um, oh gosh, November of 2021 made two years that we've been seeing each other <laughs> that I've been going to, going to his office. Um, it's the longest, uh, relationship I've had with a therapist. Um, and for about a year and a half, I went every other week, um, scaled back now to about once monthly but it is the greatest thing. And I would encourage, if you've got a pulse therapy could help. Um, yes, absolutely. I went to therapy after COVID when we went back to work in the office because I had social anxiety mm. and I also couldn't deal with the fact that COVID was over in Miami where I'm from, which it's not, but <laughs> everyone was kind of behaving that way. And it was so hard. And so I decided to start therapy and the way that people reacted when they found out, they like gasped and they were like, are you okay? Yeah. Are you, what's going on? And I'm like, I'm okay, but I want to be better. Yeah. I want to get through this and I don't want to let this spiral into something that's going to be de uh, debilitating for me. So yeah. literally, like you said, anyone that has a pulse should go to therapy. Yes. I was about to say, you and me need to make a deal right now on this podcast that we're going to work to change the stigma. Yes. the response to therapy instead of oh, is everything okay going I'm so proud of you that's freaking awesome it should be because there's other people that are in therapy and when I said to them I just started therapy they were like oh my gosh congratulations yeah we're going to start such an awesome journey because yep. even if you don't suffer from anxiety or depression or something like that therapy will take you from being a good person to a great person to yes. the best person you could be yeah um, yeah, just a little tidbit. I no, love I love that. I really do. Um, I also, I never like in the middle of your story want to give a takeaway, but I really want, so I'm going to challenge myself and I'm going to challenge you and I'm going to challenge our listeners right now. I can think when you said that there are people in every stage of life or like, as you just kind of like reflect, which I think reflection is such a good thing. Um, realizing where you came from, the, the battles you faced, how you overcame, um, whether you believe in a higher power or not, I do. And I know that it's because my creator helped me get through that. But whatever, wh whatever you believe, reflection is important. My challenge is this week, let's both reach out to somebody that made an impact in our life and just thank them. And I think anybody, everybody that's listening should do that as well. Because I think 
the, a couple of years ago, my, my like new year's resolution was if I think of encouragement, I'm going to give it. I'm not going to like think oh, that person's watch them walk by that person's so awesome and not say anything. I'm just gonna be like, yo, you're awesome. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to withhold encouragement. And I think this is a great reminder. And that's the, that goes hand in hand with the human connection, like taking your part in making someone else's day, because yes. I've had people do that for me and I still remember it. And I love to do that for other people. And I love the idea of reaching out to someone that had an impact and just saying it. Um, in my relationships, I have made it very standard to say what you feel, whether it's good or it's bad. And I actually spent, um, just an example, I had a few friends' birthdays this weekend and we spent a lovely day with, with some of them yesterday. And awesome. She said, this message about how much it meant to her that we had come and um, it's just touching to have someone not just share the experience with you but feel comfortable enough to to tell you how they felt and how it impacted them yeah um, it's like the vulnerability and the connection side of things too so it's awesome well and i just think it makes the 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 craziness of the world we live in it's it just brings it back like it it's what good we can do yeah, it's an absolutely. it's an impact that we can make in the people around us and our focus is building the people, building the team, building the culture around us. That's one really awesome way uh, that we can do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow up with you this week. And if you're a listener and, and you're challenged to do it, let us know. Like, send us a message. Email me. Send me a, a message somehow and and let us know. I'd want to hear these stories because I think gratitude and um, recognition and encouragement are such big parts to the human connection and building the culture around you. Um so we only got a couple minutes. So you graduate college at what age? And then what do you do? Like, tell us how you got to where you're at today. So I graduated college um, with an associates when I was 17. Um, and then stayed around for a couple more years and did um, my bachelor's in communications, graduated with that when I was 19. And then I moved to Miami right after college graduation. Um, had no, it, it really wasn't the plan. I had met someone and fallen in love with my current boyfriend and we were just young and we had nothing else holding us down, no kids, no nothing. And I was like, this is the moment I've been waiting for. It's time to go. I don't yeah. know where we're going, but we need to go somewhere. We packed up everything we owned in our cars and it turned out to be South Beach, Miami, where we moved to. Um, I think I had a thousand dollars and where I'm from, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And so I very confident that we could move down here to Miami together and have a thousand dollars and it'd be fine. That money was like, gone. like <laughs> in a weekend. I mean, you could, you could drop a thousand dollars in Miami in a night. So we're down here. I'm stressed. We're thinking maybe we need to go home. And I was like, no, we're going to stay. We're going to figure it out. Two weeks later, after working odd jobs here and there, um, the company I work for now contacted me and recruited me. And I was so, it was so fortunate um, to, to happen that quickly. So I went to the interview. Um, I had no clue what it was like to work in the city or never really thought about what I wanted to do with my degree or my life. So I got employed there and I saw an opportunity to start a career and build a life for myself. And I hyper-focused on it yeah. and I just decided that this is the new challenge and I have to succeed any means necessary. Mm. I needed the money. I needed to just figure things out. And this company, it's the same company I've been with for almost three years now. They have guided me and given me so many opportunities and molded me into a professional young woman who feels confident in the world and feels confident about her career. And um, it, it could not have worked out any better. It's awesome. Um, 
I, like you said, gratitude is a huge thing. I feel so grateful. Mm, yeah, it is a huge thing. I think it's so fascinating and cool. Um, what you do as a backup and recovery solution specialist for a global tech company sounds so cool. Um, uh, I know you know things that I have no idea about because I'm not super technical, but I think it's so cool that um, you've just seized opportunities, built relationships, connected with people, followed your heart, followed advice that you got from people from small town, rural Ohio that said, if I could give you advice, go. And so when you saw the opportunity, you went. And then just maintaining that attitude of gratitude and not having – there's very few people that – grow up in what I would say our generation, even though I'm a few years older than you, that like have such a level of gratitude. Uh, such a huge piece. And then to to see that the opportunities that you've been presented have given you skills and um, uh, the ability to be successful, I think is so incredible. Um, it's a testament really to who you are, your character, what you focus on, what you believe, kind of how you grounded yourself from a very early age. Um, I think it's remarkable. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up because we're it's crazy. This conversation has been so good. We're already at thirty minutes. No, which means you've got to you've got to agree in a blood oath right now on on the podcast that you'll come back and do another one because I know you have other stuff to share. I would love to. Um, I think what you're doing is so incredible. And we were talking before the podcast, and you said that this is what makes you happy, and just seeing that and feeling that and being a part of that has been such an awesome experience. I've had such a fun time and I am just very grateful. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Like, seriously, thank you for taking the time before we go. Um, you know, I, I always want there, I, I gave an action step, go thank somebody who made an impact in your life. Um, but practically speaking, I always want us to have something to take away. And you and I were talking and I, and I just, as we were talking and preparing for this, we talked about how important relationships and this human connection and being um, uh, focused on that and appreciating the people around you. And um, you also mentioned coming back to the office after COVID and dealing with a lot of anxiety and just social uncertainty. And like, what do I do? How do I, how do I act in, in an office setting? And at the, also um, to be fair, you're relatively young and it's coming back to the office in a like fresh new career. And what is that like? And so you had a really cool practical step because I think sometimes people, um, like I hear that and I'm like, okay, that's cool. Like value the human connection, but what can I do to value the human connection? And maybe somebody's not like super extroverted or, you know, super don't see themselves as super friendly and outgoing. What can somebody do just to enhance the relationships and human connection? And yeah. so I had told you this story before and it's a quick one. Um, I was going to work every single day after COVID with a straight face going straight to my desk and just getting to work. Um, and my therapist told me, she gave me a challenge to uh, go into work and say good morning to everyone and smile before I go to my desk. I was like, okay, I'll do it. I had the best day ever that first day where right. I presented myself in a, in a more uh, approachable and friendly way and greeted people. Um, it, it really transformed. So I think that what you can do is take accountability for the part that you play in, in mm. not having those connections and do something about it, yeah. whether that's speaking up, being nice, smiling, giving a compliment, try, just yeah. try. Yeah. I think there's always a, a self accountability that we can take in, in every situation. Uh, my dad, my dad used to encourage me to, even if like you're, you know, 90% right in the situation, what 10% can you own? Because I think that's what keeps us grounded and reminds us that, 
you know, sometimes it's, it, it's overwhelming and we think, oh gosh, all this stuff is happening to me, but really there's, there's stuff that we can do. Well, that's the idea. Like either the world happens to you or you make the world happen. If you view Ooh. every single thing that ever happens to you in life as, um, what part did I play in this? Suddenly you have control again mm. and you can take the steps to change. So accountability is huge. Yeah. And you, you really can impact the culture on your team. I remember when I was, um, going to school with my older brother and our friend Mark, and we were driving around to McDonald's and a few places. Um, I, <laughs> it was, we, it was a commuter school. And, um, so it's not like I lived on campus or anything and I did stacked all my classes. So I was only on campus two days a week so I could do other stuff. I was trying to be strategic like you. Um, just for social reasons, not anything other than that. And, um, so I made it my goal. I'm like, since I'm only on campus twice a week, every single day for the entire semester, I will make at least one friend when I walk on campus. And so I would walk up to a rando in like the student center and just be like, Hey, what's up? My name's Adam Bieber. I just wanted to come and introduce myself. And they'd like, look at me and be like, are you seriously doing this right now? And, and, uh, and then they would, you know, we'd talk for a second and I'd be like, cool. I just want to introduce myself, make a new friend. Um, I'll see you later. Walked away. I'm sure people thought I was crazy, but what was so cool is by the end of the semester, like I felt like, I don't know, like it was so cool to walk around and just like see people and be like, yo, it's you, what's up? And, you know, try to remember names and, and just build the connection and the, and the, the culture around, around us. And I had a lot of fun doing it. And I think, uh, just that little takeaway is fantastic. Um, people in life are people like that, that just put themselves out there and they are presence when they walk into a room. Mm. Um, and it impacts you because you feel the way that you feel doing that. And it impacts every single person that you speak to because they'll never forget. Remember that, that crazy guy, Adam, and like, he really loved me in my day or he made me laugh or he made me feel seen. And it's, it's awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap up with this. What's so cool about, about that time frame is I'm like putting the pieces together. I um, introduced myself to uh, a friend of mine, which I did not know would be a dear close friend of mine. Uh, but walked up to her, we're in the same class. I'm like, what's up? My name's Adam Bieber. She says, hey, I'm Magenta. And we start talking, we become friends. Um, fast forward 10 years, and I just officiated her wedding a couple of months ago. And I spent the day yesterday with her and her husband just hanging out. And I was like, I love these people. I love building relationship and to have such a long relationship with some incredible people just by walking up and saying hi and smiling. Like, there's so much that we can do to impact people around us. And your story is evident of that. Thank you so much for joining today. Uh, we're going to wrap up. Uh, if you enjoyed listening, you can, uh, in the description, follow uh, Elizabeth and just follow her life. See what she's up to. See what she does. Send her a message. Encourage her if she's impacted you. And don't forget to uh, let somebody know who impacted you that they did and uh, be a positive encouragement to the people around you. Elizabeth, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I had so much fun. Awesome. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, folks, for listening. Tune in next week for another episode, and uh, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. To learn more about Synergetic Culture, we invite you to go to SynergeticCulture.com. Sign up to receive our weekly podcast and blog, and then connect with us on social media. We want to be connected to you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and then share our show with the people around you so they too can build a synergetic culture. This episode was written and recorded by Adam Bieber, founder and CEO of Synergetic Culture. Synergetic Culture is a registered trademark of Adam Bieber and the Synergetic Culture Company. <laughs>